Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Every driver wants their journey to end here with an induction in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Time will tell if Daniel Suarez receives that honor, but there's no doubt that his journey to NASCAR is one that stands out from the rest. Daniel signing autographs here at the NASCAR Hall of Fame earlier today. Latin American driver to win a NASCAR National Series championship. And welcome to NASCAR America Live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame, presented by Mobile One. Honored to have our guest here, Daniel Suarez, today, along with Kyle Petty, Dale Jarrett, and Jeff Burton. I'm Marty Snyder. Daniel, it's good to have you here today, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's a, it's a true honor to be, to be here. Do you know what you're in store for with these guys? I mean, it's, it's going to be a fun he day. He knows with me. We've been together before. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm a big deal here right now. You know, uh, hey, you're great. a big deal everywhere you go, Daniel. Trust yes. me, okay? Yes. Hey, you know, I was going to say someday you might make it into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Your fire suit's already in the Hall of Fame. Did you know your fire suit is in the Hall of Fame? You know, that fire suit, after we, we won a championship, that thing was as a stiff. <laughs> just, like, just like after, you know, we won we won the championship with a lot of champagne and coke and a little bit of everything that thing was super stiff uh that thing needs a needs a needs a little a little clean up uh, yeah. possible. <laughs> but it's cool that fans can come see that here in the nascar yes. hall of fame and i know it's great memories for you as well when you won the xfinity series championship last year yeah definitely it's very cool to to be able to come here and uh, to see my first suit yeah. uh, gloves shoes my helmet everything exactly everything that i was wearing that night, and uh, and actually right now I was just watching the the clip of that uh, those highlights from that <laughs> night. Man, I just it's just amazing to 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 go back to to that night and and, uh, and to get excited and, uh, and and to enjoy those moments. Very honored to have you here for the hour. Going to be fun talking to you and learning more about your journey to get to NASCAR stardom and becoming a NASCAR champion. No doubt about it. But some big news today. I know you guys heard right. And some big really? news. Yeah, a little bit of news. Yeah. Hey, Ryan Blaney and Paul Menard will be moving on to different rides in 2018. Blaney will move from the Wood Brothers to Team Penske officially, taking over Penske's number 12 car as that team expands to three cars in the Cup Series. And as for Paul Menard, he'll replace Blaney in the Wood Brothers number 21. His Menard sponsorship are both making the switch from Richard Childress Racing to the Wood Brothers, where they've been since 2011. After the announcement, it was confirmed that Jeremy Bullen's Blaney's current crew chief will follow him and the driver over to Team Penske. Greg Irwin, a crew chief in the Penske Xfinity Series program, will be atop the 21 pit box for Paul Menard beginning next year. It was a busy day in the Penske universe. Ryan Blaney reacted to all of that earlier today. Just nice to get it all out there and, and let fans know what the plan is. 
and to let everyone else here know that we're going to expand to a three-car operation uh, in in the Penske building. So that's a big deal. Um, it's the first time I think in in seven or eight years that Penske's gone to three cars full time. So that definitely means a lot, uh, especially to me. Ever since I got here in 2012, uh, that was my goal. That was my dream to drive a Cup car full time for Roger Penske, and uh, really fortunate uh, that we're able to make it happen. But it's just nice to have our relationship grow and I was nervous as can be whenever I met him in 2012 for the first time and I honestly I still get nervous when I meet him uh, five years later so uh, he's just been great to me uh, hiring me initially and and giving me a chance a dream come true like I said to be able to drive the 12 car bring the 12 back and to to run a car full-time in the cup series for Roger Penske is going to be very special Want to get reactions, certainly, from our analyst on it. Jeff, I'll start with you. Um, that's two big dominoes to fall in the middle of silly season here. Yeah, huge. And you think about what's going on with Penske. They have to be exceptionally excited. Look at the average age of their driver. Yeah. And, and the drivers are having success, too. They, they don't have drivers that are having to grow into these roles. These drivers are already winning races at young ages. So Penske has set themselves up to have a lot of success moving into the future. Yeah, uh, signing Brad, getting he and Paul Wolf there, and now uh, making sure that Ryan Blaney wasn't going anywhere. And I know this was big for Ford Motor Company also to make yeah. sure that Ryan Blaney wasn't going to go uh, to another manufacturer. So I don't think there's anything that surprised us uh, with all of this because you kind of heard rumors as to what was going to happen. It's not surprising that Penske wanted to make a third team there too. He understands that that is strength in numbers, uh, such as Joe Gibbs Racing, Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, as you build these, these organizations and you can put bigger – and better people there and bring in more dollars, then that you have to think that's going to give you uh, a better uh, opportunity to race and, and do better things uh, moving forward. I think as I looked at this and heard all this this morning, though, the, the thing that I liked the most or made me smile the most was that the Wood Brothers were going to have something. Because that's I know right. in talking to, yep. to Eddie and Lynn Wood recently that they didn't have things, they didn't really know exactly what things how it may shake out for them. And, and now that they're able to, to know that uh, they're moving on with uh, some good dollars and a good race driver, uh, it's nice for them. Yeah, I think there's some, sometimes there's deals that are made uh, and they're very rare where everyone benefits. Yeah. And this is one of those deals, I think, that every team that's involved in this, whether it's the Wood Brothers, whether it's Penske, whether it's Menard, whether it's Blaney, every one of them takes a positive step. Um, it is a little sad for me because I don't know if the hat game is going away with Blaney now that he's on Penske's starch white, <laughs> will, will the hat game be over? Uh, will uh, we see no more cool T-shirts and cool hats? I'm or sure we will. How will that continue? What about the, what about the mullet thing? Yeah, you got going? It, it's, can cut listen, that off? No. It's, it's well, gonna, that's true. There the, whole the whole game changes. The whole game changes here. Why, right. why, is it, why is it different for, for Ryan Blaney to be in a Team Penske car versus – a Wood Brothers car. I mean, in essence, what's the difference? Why, why, was that, why is the move important? Yeah, I, well, I, I think for Blaney, it, it is, it's a satellite team. Okay, we, we know the, 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 the alliance and the affiliation that the Wood Brothers have, but that's not a Penske team. Right. That's not under Roger's jurisdiction. You know, it, it is, but it isn't. It's one of those things. For, for Ryan Blaney, at his age, to have won a cup race, uh, to have won it in that satellite team, and then now be welcomed into the organization. He's already there in the Xfinity Series running those cars. Uh, but this is a huge move for him. And, and I go back to what, what they said. You, you look, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano at 26, and Ryan Blaney at what, 22, 20, 21, right. 22, 23? This is an organization that is planning for the future. Uh, planning for the future with three cars. Planning for the future with these drivers. Uh, and I think they solidify themselves to say, 
yes, this is where we are going to be in 2018, but we're going to be just as strong in 2028. So, Daniel, I'll, I'll bring it up to you as a young driver and a, the youngest in your organization. Do you see this as teams getting younger and, and wanting to be younger, signing a young driver like this? I really think so. Uh, you know, first of all, I'm very happy for, for Ryan. Uh, actually, the other day I was looking to my phone and I, and I found a picture back in 2011. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we were uh, taking pictures for the NASCAR Next 9 program. Yeah. It's NASCAR, huh. Next, na NASCAR Next now. And, yeah. uh, and Ryan There's the photo. was there. Actually, that, that's, the, that's exactly <laughs> the picture. And uh, Ryan is right there, myself, Kyle, Daryl, Chase, and uh, Dylan. So very cool to see to see how the big teams are giving a chance to the to the young uh, drivers. Uh, yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm an example, Eric, Ryan, all these guys that uh, that we we start back in in 2011 together racing in the Canadian Series. Now now we are getting an opportunity to 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 drive for for a big organization. And obviously that's always very very special and important. DJ, I'll toss this. Well, go ahead. You, no, yeah. I, what I was going to say is that, the, you know, and this is, you know, Paul Menard. This is a chance right. for him to get into an organization at their peak. I mean, I would yeah. say, I think it's yeah, fair to sure. say that Penske's running better over the last three years than they have in the history of this, their, their career. They really, yeah. we always looked at them as kind of an underperforming team at Cup, especially when considered how well they did at IndyCar. But over the last three, four, or five years, they've been one of the premier teams. So, you know, Paul Menard's never been viewed as one of the, the best drivers, but at the same time, he's never been in an organization that was at its prime yes. running well. So yeah. this is an opportunity for him uh, that he really hasn't been. And that's no disrespect to Childress. You know, sure. Teams, you know, teams yeah. have a highs yeah. and lows, and he hasn't been at Childress when it was at its high. And, and then the, the concern for Childress is, you know, the negative effect of Childress. You know, how is he going to replace Paul Menard and that sponsorship? That's, that's a big blow to that, that company. And we heard Richard today say that they want to run to three teams. I hope to have an announcement soon. But, you know, there's winners and there's losers, and I agree with you. I think, like, the teams and the drivers all won. The one that I'm concerned about is Childers. How, yeah. does, how does this affect him and his organization? And, and what level of a, of a blow to Childers is this, you think, DJ? Is a, a crippling blow when you lose what's been an anchor sponsor and a team for a long time? I think that's the biggest thing. We were just talking about uh, – Penske getting more dollars uh, coming in because you know uh, Ryan Blaney is bringing that. That's why this was the right time for all of that to happen, to bring another young driver, as you talked about. Uh, that's what this sport is going to. But for Richard Childress, that, that has been the biggest sponsor that they've had there with a uh, Menard sponsorship uh, mm -hmm. over the years. And so uh, how do you replace that? Uh, a lot of hard work and effort is going to have to go forward now to, to try to put the pieces back together uh, to where are they going to be become still just a two-car operation? Are they going to try to still make three? Uh, a lot of things have to be put into place. You can't just have a three-car operation if you don't have the dollars uh, to yeah. defund that because then all you're doing is basically what Roush tried to do for a number of years, and we see where that landed them back with a two-car operation now. So, you know, the, the way of the sport is young drivers. I mean, it's just incredible how this is – has transformed into that, Jeff. I, I'm glad I came along whenever I did. <laughs> <laughs> I made mention the other day, I mean, here was William Byron winning the Xfinity race. It, the kid's 19 years old. I didn't drive a race car till I was 20 years old. So, yeah, you know, I had I to race till I was 50. I was going to ask, first year you were in a cup car, how old were you? 18. Yeah, I cheated. Remember, that's you, you, a, I went straight to yeah, Cup. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't do the other First year stuff. for you. I think the first time I ever drove a Cup car, I was 28 years old. Wow. So, uh, but but full-time, I was closer to 30 by that time that chance came. Uh, 24, right in that range. And but, I, I mean, you look at it now, and it's 18, 19 years yeah. old. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, totally and different. I remember the conversation. I can't, The reason I got my job is because Jeff Gordon got his job. 
Mm-hmm. So if yes. you remember the year before that, Bobby Labonte, Jeff Gordon, Kenny Wallace, they, they came in. And then the next year, the rookie of the year, you, you couldn't put, there were so many rookie of the year candidates, you couldn't put them in this year. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it was, right. like, it was like 11 of us. Remember that year, yeah. And, and so that's, that's the trend, right? It was, it was Jeff Gordon and, and Bobby and Kenny, they both all did pretty well. So then all the car owners went, oh, we got to have young guys. Yes. And yeah. so then I got a shot. Steve Grisman got a shot. My brother Ward got a shot. A lot of drivers got a shot because initially they gave a young driver a chance, and he did pretty well. Yeah, he's, Jeff came along in the group that skewed the numbers down, that skewed the start numbers down, but in the end had skewed the retirement number down too. Uh, because the number retirement number was 50, 51, 52, 53, right along in there. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, that became mid-40s to low-40s. Yeah. Right. Well, speaking of young guys, we got a full hour with the yes. young guy. Daniel Suarez, I know Kyle's excited. We're all excited. <laughs> and, hey, you at home can ask Daniel a question, too. Just check us out on Twitter, NASCAR at NBC, and make sure that you uh, send Daniel a question. We'll ask that question at the end of the show. As a reminder, hey, guess who's on the show next week from the Hall of Fame? Marty Snyder. Ryan, Ryan Blaney. <laughs> oh, missed it. Next missed week. it. We have a lot of success. Gonna, yeah. People win races. People have their career best. Are you on next week? Contracts? Is Kyle on next week? I don't remember. I don't know if Kyle's I, on I don't next week. Just to be clear, if he is, he'll be the first one to ask him. Are they let you keep this hair? <laughs> yes, I will. I will. Make sure you the hair still here, man. Next Wednesday, August 1st at 5 p.m. Eastern. Hey, Daniel has shown talent behind the wheel in his rookie cup season, but it took more than talent to get him to NASCAR's top level. We'll dive into his racing roots and the impact his dad had on his career next. When you saw him on stage in Miami with the championship trophy, yeah. what, what did that mean? I don't believe it. Uh, this, and this day is uh, the best day of my life. NASCAR America is brought to you by New Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. Welcome back to the NASCAR Hall of Fame Live. We're here with NASCAR America in Charlotte, North Carolina. There's Glory Road. We are in the Hall of Honor, but how far is it from Monterey, Mexico? Daniel Suarez's hometown to the NASCAR Hall of Fame, 1,500 miles. And do you know that Daniel Suarez once drove a 1994 Volkswagen Beetle from Monterey to the U.S. to start his racing career in NASCAR? Recently, Kyle Petty and Rutledge Wood accompanied Daniel on a trip back to where it all started. Who is it? Who is it? Hello, sir. Hey, Andrew, nice to see you. How are you doing? <laughs> come in. Come, come, in, come, come in. in. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. Good to see you. Wow. Thank you. Oh man, look at this. A little little doggies. When you saw him on stage in Miami with the championship trophy, yeah. what what did that mean? I don't believe it. And uh, this, this day is uh, the best day of my life. Daniel Suarez, he will be the first ever international champion in NASCAR. Thank you guys, thank you. I can't believe it. When you were willing to sell the shop and say, yes, I believe in you, yeah. I know we can do this, what, 
What was that leap of faith like for a path that didn't exist at that time? When I, I see the Daniel uh, like the, the, the cars and like the, the race, I, I see in Daniel my life, right? And so, yes, uh, I, I put everything for Daniel. Uh, if it if don't work, no problem. Uh, I work again for the new job. So if work, it's good. And he work. He, he, he say easy now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, 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 easy. Yeah, yeah, easy. Awesome great stuff there. So Kyle, what was your impression walking away from Monterey Mexico? You got to spend some time with his dad, also yes. his mom and his sisters. So great family. I loved spending time with his mom and his sisters. Um, <laughs> so just so you know, when they come up and she cooks, invite. Oh, you know, invite <laughs> me. Okay, I'm coming to your house. Uh, you got to have tamales but, from mom, right? Yeah, that's exactly. But I, I want to say this. Um, and, and we saw his dad at the shop there. And, and you heard a little bit of that. You know, and, and he said, Danielle is my life. Um, and, and we put everything there. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I can, I can get a shop again. Explain to these guys the sacrifice that your, your parents made and that your dad made selling his shop. Yeah, so my dad, uh, I came from a very regular family. Uh, and, uh, and my dad, he just, for whatever reason, he just put everything on the table for me. Uh, he, he was trying to support me with everything that he had. And uh, in one point, I was we were kind of like in the middle of the bridge. And uh, he had to sell his shop, his restoration shop, his life. To, to continue to support me. And uh, I was just a 16-year-old kid, and, and for me, was, that was a lot of pressure because that, that was putting my whole family mm-hmm. in the breeze with me mm-hmm. and my dad. So I didn't want him to, to do that, but he, he ended up doing it anyway. Uh, luckily, things worked out, and, uh, and I started winning races in Mexico, and then I moved to the U.S., and, and the breeze was getting longer and longer, and, uh, <laughs> and it was getting more difficult. But, uh, you know, uh, I started to... I met great people here in the U.S., here in Charlotte, that I call home now. I've been living here for six years. Like, uh, like you guys saw, I, I drove my, my only car, a 1994 Beetle, yeah. from Mexico <laughs> to here to Charlotte back in 2011. And, uh, and things started to work out. And luckily, uh, a couple of years ago, my dad and I, we, we got together. And I told him, you know what? You, you gave me a lot to me. And now we're going to put the shop back. And uh, for me, it was, uh, was something very, very cool. And, and, and to have Cal there and... and uh, and all really rollers there as well uh, to know how, how, you know, exactly what I grew up doing. That was something very special. By the way, that Racing Road show will air the, uh, immediately after the Kansas race in October. So what you're saying is your dad sold everything. He had a great shop, a restoration shop for VW Bugs in Mexico. He sold it all so you could keep racing and keep pursuing your dream. You bought it back, though, eventually when you made it. Yeah, well, I didn't buy it back. We, we started a new one. We had to start from zero. Bigger and better. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, my dad uh, and I, I have told him, hey, that uh, if, if you we have to do it again, would you, you know, risk that, risk that much again? He said, you know, he, he said it right there. Yes, I, I would do it. I said, man, I, I'm not sure if I would do it, but, you know, I don't have a son, so... Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a little bit tough, but uh, I think that he put just too much on the line and, and my entire family. And we all have stories as to how we came 
up with this. His dad won more races than anybody's ever going to win in this sport. And so, you know, we all grew up driving stock cars or around it. But not only did you have to come here, learn to drive the stock cars here, you had to learn another language. What, how did you go about that? And did that hamper your, your communication when you first got here in, in trying to learn the cars? Yeah, I feel like in the very beginning, uh, 2011, when I moved here, my first goal was to learn the language because I knew that without being able to communicate with, with everyone here, I wasn't going to be able to learn from the car, learn from cruise ships, and, and, and eventually to win races. So that was my, my primary goal, and, uh, and I was working super hard to, to, to make that happen. And luckily, after a couple of years, a year and a half, I was able to at least understand. Uh, but you know what? At the end of the day, I felt like uh, that made me who I am today. Uh, that made me very uh, a tough person, and, and, and I know that right now, whatever happens, I, I won't go down. After all that, that, that journey that I had uh, four or five years ago, I feel like I, I learned a lot about life, and uh, I learned to work hard and, and to follow the dreams. And, uh, and obviously right now I'm in a, in a very good position with a great racing, with great sponsors, uh, but, uh, but it wasn't like that five or six years ago. So I wasn't, I wasn't seeing myself either in this position mm-hmm. in, in this short period of time, but uh, luckily things work out. So, so, and looking at the map, you drove from Mexico to Buffalo. Did you <laughs> not think to stop in North Carolina? Like, did you? What? Actually, actually, uh, when I when I moved to to Buffalo, uh, I I didn't drive the, uh, up there. I I flew up there for four months, and then I flew back to Mexico. And I said to my mom, you know what? If I want to do this, because when I moved to Buffalo, I didn't know anything about NASCAR. I didn't know anything about Charlotte either. Did you know so, anything about snow? Uh, either, no. I didn't know. In Mexico, in Mexico, they don't sell a lot of jackets either. So, so I didn't know a lot about that either. And, uh, and, and then I flew back, and then I said to my mom, I started to learn more from NASCAR and say, you know what, if I want to do this, I need to move to North Carolina. And I need to have a car. <laughs> and, uh, and my only car, my daily drive, was a 1994 Beetle. That I still have that car right now here in my garage. Yeah. And uh, I got together with my dad. We fixed a couple of things from the engine. We tested the car for a couple of weeks, and here, here we went. <laughs> so, so if I'm a fan sitting at home, I'm going, wait, Buffalo? How did Buffalo enter the picture? How did that come about? So that, that came on the picture because my very first race, uh, ever was in the in the Toyota All Star Showdown in California, mm-hmm. and the owner of this team uh, had his team in Buffalo. It was a very small team, and uh, and after we did a race, uh, we finished uh, we finished pretty good for that team. Mm-hmm. And he got super excited and he said, "You know what? If if you learn English, maybe we can do a little bit better." <laughs> so so anyway, he he invited me to live to his house to improve my 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 language. And uh, after after one month, I I moved to to Buffalo. And so in Buffalo, you were watching cartoons, you were watching movies. How was all that? Watching cartoons, I was reading. Uh, I'm not, I'm not the great. Oh, you were watching cartoons to learn English. Yeah, <laughs> that's how. You, Which yeah. cartoon? <laughs> all kind, all kind of cartoons. Uh, like SpongeBob. Yeah, <laughs> all, yeah. All of, you know why? I mean, honestly, I didn't like a lot of cartoons, but I started thinking, okay, when you are a kid, uh, they make those cartoons for kids. So when I was watching movies, 
you know, everyone that makes the movies, they, they talk very fast, so I wasn't able to understand anything. Mm -hmm. And when I was watching the cartoon, they were more slow, so I said, okay, we, we, we have to start here. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started in the cartoons, and then I move off, just like in Xfinity and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, cool. I, I want to go back to you. You told Rutledge and I a story that just amazed me uh, when we went to the racetrack, and you said you and your dad had a cart, you went to the racetrack, no one, you didn't know the air pressure, didn't know anything, and it started raining, and this is your first race. That was my first race. Uh, my dad and I, uh, he bought me a go-kart for the street when I was 10. And then when I got interested into the racing stuff, when I was 11, he sold that one, and he bought me a real race car, uh, race go-kart. And then we go to a racetrack, and we put the, that little go-kart in the, in, the, in, the, in the pickup truck. We didn't have any tools. We didn't have anything, and then it started raining, and he told me, well... Good luck. <laughs> have, fun. have fun, kid. And, uh, and there we go. And somehow, don't ask me how, but we finished third with the slicks. Some guys, I think the racetrack started to dry out, and then at the end, we were, we were very fast. But uh, in, the, in the first half of the race, I was just trying to keep the car in the, in the racetrack. And you actually had to sell one of your Volkswagens at one point to keep racing, correct? And then you bought that Volkswagen back, correct? Well, Exactly that. Uh, I was I was starting to race in Mexico, and uh, we we had the sponsor to do one race, but the sponsor was paying us like a month after the race, so we mm. needed the money to to do that race. So my dad told me, you know what, you will have to we will have to sell something, and that that was my <laughs> car right there. So we sold that car to one that's of our friends. That's the one friends. you sold. Uh, that, that actually that that's my first race car Beetle that I that ah, I raced okay. when I was thirteen. And, uh, and anyway, we sold that car, we went to a race, we started doing well, and then that, that the friend uh, is restoring the car with us right now after seven years. Very good. So I have to go back to this language thing because I'm very intrigued <laughs> by this in that we all had to learn racing language, yes. but we also know the jokes, practical jokes that can be played. These crew members, they, they'd like to have a good time, as I'm sure you found out. Oh, so yeah. did you have someone with you to help you differentiate between things maybe you should be saying and things you shouldn't be saying? Oh, yeah, I have I've learned a lot through the years. <laughs> uh, I, have, I have had a lot of experience, good ones and bad ones, too, <laughs> saying wrong things. But, uh, you know, overall, uh, you know, I have met a lot of people that has helped me in the past mm -hmm. to, to learn my, my, my language, to practice. I remember back in 2012, I had a mechanic that every day, he used to take a, a, a tool, whatever he had on his hand. He used to do an interview for me. He, he, we were just practicing because he told me, hey, when you get an interview, you need to know how to answer. I said, okay, here we go. And, uh, and then we're doing practicing. So, you know, I, I feel like, uh, you know, a little, a little lucky that a lot of people have helped me through my way and, uh, and slowly getting better. <laughs> you do great. Yeah, you do fantastic, no doubt about that. And I know they've made fun of you at, at the shop sometimes, but you've taken it all in stride, which is awesome to see. So, yeah, and if, if they don't like it, we can speak Spanish. So, whenever you want, we can speak Spanish. So, one thing that we want to have fun with is how well do the Joe Gibbs Racing teammates know each other? That's coming up next here on NASCAR America. So, who is dubbed the smartest of the group? That's a dangerous setup right there. Matt thinks he's the smartest. I mean, he's been on the earth quite a bit longer than everybody else, so he probably is. Who thinks they're the smartest of the group, or who really is the smartest of the group? The smartest of the group is definitely Denny. He just probably asks the most questions and um, always wants to know the most, but uh, he also will tell you he knows the most.
Welcome back to NASCAR America Live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. We're in the Hall of Honor. A look at the Piedmont Airlines number three car owned by Richard Childress, a 2017 Hall of Fame inductee. The Hall of Honor holds five cars, all from the class of 2017 until the 2018 group is inducted. Childress, Childress involved with the big news of the day. It was announced that Ryan Blaney will be in the 12 car for Team Penske in 2018 as the organization adds a third cup team to its lineup. Plus, Paul Menard will move over to the Wood Brothers from Richard Childress Racing and take over the iconic number 21 Ford in 2018. Blaney is among the 12 drivers that have virtually locked themselves in a playoff berth with a win this season. Only four spots remain with six races left in the regular season. Earlier today on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio, Kyle Petty talked about the playoffs and the drivers that are currently on the bubble. I think Casey Kane winning uh, was Clint Boyer's and Joey Logano's worst nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that totally changes that point point thing right there. And this, uh, those guys, that's gotten tight. That, that you know, for so many weeks, it seemed like, oh yeah, those guys are going to float along fifth, six, seven, or five, the last five or six, and not really have to to win a race. But now I think it's these guys, the pressure is, uh, has been upped on a lot of these guys. I'd, I'd like to think that maybe it's a, it, it could be a point deal uh, and that we could go into the playoffs, Tom, but, it, but I think these guys are going to have to race to win. You can hear NASCAR on NBC personalities every Wednesday morning at 9 Eastern on the morning drive with Mike Bagley and Pete Pistoni, only on Sirius NASCAR Radio Channel 90. When NASCAR America returns live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame, it's driver's meeting time. Stay tuned. Welcome back to NASCAR America on NBCSN, live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame here in Charlotte, North Carolina. You know, three of the four Joe Gibbs Racing drivers are in playoff position with Denny Hamlin locked in thanks to his New Hampshire win. Daniel Suarez hopes to get in the playoffs with a win of his own this weekend at Pocono. And as a cup rookie, He's learned a lot about his veteran teammates and put that knowledge to good use in our teammate quiz. Now what we've got are a series of questions and just asking about your teammates. We've been chatting with your teammates. You know them well. We'll ask the question, what, kind, what one kind of comes to mind? Who might be the one to show up to a meeting late? Uh, to show up in a meeting late. Um, Carl used to be notorious for being late. I think that can be Denny. <laughs> when I first started, they said Denny was constantly late. Uh, I would be the only one late. Kyle would be second in line, but uh, I'm the latest for sure. So who is dubbed the smartest of the group? That's a dangerous setup right there. Well, Matt thinks he's the smartest. I mean, he's been on the earth quite a bit longer than everybody else, so he probably is. Who thinks they're the smartest of the group or who really is the smartest of the group? The smartest of the group is definitely Denny. He just probably asks the most questions and um, always wants to know the most, but uh, he also will tell you he knows the most. And who is the coach's favorite and why? I'm the boss's favorite. You know, I would say that, that Kyle is Joe's favorite, and I really have no idea why. Coach's favorite is Kyle, and uh, I think the reason why is just because he drives the number 18 car and now his coach's first car. And if anyone runs for political office when the driving career is over, who's it going to be? Well, Kyle's SOL when it comes to political office. He'll never get the votes. Got to 
thank the I mean the fans out there. I'm not surprised about anything. Congratulations. Any other questions for Kyle? Who would run for political office after after their NASCAR career? Well, I would say for sure Carl, but he's not there anymore, so. Um, I would have said Carl, but Carl's already gone. I don't know. I'd almost have to say Denny. You know, Denny really likes being involved in the you know the drivers council thing. And Probably Daniel because he's he's very popular in Mexico. Best at karaoke? Probably Matt. I'd say Matt because he's probably got, you know, some kind of that rage in him that uh, he could probably bring out some Metallica. I think Danny. <laughs> I think Danny. I remember I remember watching a, a, a video of a song that he did maybe a few years ago. He has a little singer on himself somewhere there, so. Who has or had the best pickup line? I have no idea. None of them ever tried to pick me up, so I wouldn't know. Who would pick up the check at dinner or skip the check? Denny would pick up the check at dinner, and Kyle would definitely skip the check, because Denny's not scared to spend money, and Kyle's pretty tight. Who would give the best birthday present? Again, I'd probably have to say Denny. Denny's not scared to spend that money. Probably Kyle. Um, he's not a cheapo like Matt. I haven't received any birthday present from any of these guys, so, so I'm not sure. I'm not expecting. I'm not expecting any good of any of these guys. <laughs> to be honest with you, but I don't know. I, I guess I will have to tell you the next time I, I get into my birthday and and I will, yeah, give them the challenge to see who's more. You know, good. <laughs> Wait, they haven't gotten your birthday <laughs> present yet? Come on, oh, Daniel. The thing is that they, they, they knew that we were going to be teammates in Cup <laughs> later, later in January, and my birthday is the first week of January, so, <laughs> so it was just passing January, but. Uh, well, it was it was a lot of fun doing that clip, and when I watched it, I was laughing like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, drivers meeting time. I'll let y'all talk about the JGR team a little bit. Well, yeah. well, so Matt was my teammate for a long time, and I want to know is he still as cheap now as he was then? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, you know, I don't just say know. yes. Go ahead. <laughs> they don't, don't yeah. watch this show. You know, Go ahead. Yeah. You know, See, he was like, I don't know if I should say something bad about my team yeah. or not. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to say anything bad because, you know, uh, I like him a lot, and, and he, we won't be teammates next year, so <laughs> I don't want him to live with a bad, bad, pres bad perspective for, for me. But. <laughs> I want to ask you this, and, and you told us a little bit, and, and just tell us a little bit of the story. How you found out you were going to be these guys' teammates? Uh, how all that came about with Carl leaving and being out to dinner with your in-laws? So, so it was uh, it was something I wasn't expecting. Just just like most of you, <laughs> uh, I was uh, I was in Mexico uh, after maybe ten days because we were busy after winning the championship with a lot of media and a lot of stuff going on. So finally, I made it to Mexico uh, in December, late this, maybe in the middle of December. Uh, I was having uh, dinner with. Uh, uh, with Sylvia, my girlfriend, and, and uh, her sister, and uh, her, her father. And then I received a call from, uh, uh, from Gustavo Arenas, who is the person that helped me, you know, with everything, with coach and, 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 and everyone in jogging racing. So he called me, he said, hey, I'm going to call you in two minutes uh, in a call conference, uh, be ready. I said, wait, wait, wait a second, I'm in, I'm in dinner. I said, be ready. I said, oh, <laughs> it's something important coming. 
Maybe I'm getting fired, but I just want the championship. Come on, I don't think I'm getting fired. I just want the championship. Anyway, here I, I received the, the call, and it was it was coach, it was Jim Morales, it was Gustavo, it was Dave Alpern. And I say, hey, something something big is going on here. So I had to step out from the table, and I say, I say, hey, you know what? I'll be right back. That right back, it was 40 minutes. And then 40 <laughs> minutes, and I came back with a smile from here to here. And uh, they asked me, hey, what happened? And coach told me, Daniel, don't say anything, even to your parents. And uh, I was like, well, I can say anything right now. <laughs> and uh, and uh, eventually they, they, they asked me too much. And the next day I had to, I had to, to tell Sylvia and I had to tell my, my parents because I was so excited. And uh, he just told me that, uh, that Carl decided to, yeah. to, to, to step out and, uh, and that I was, I was the, 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 the one to, to, to step in. And if I was ready, I say, well, I'm going. <laughs> let's, let's do it. <laughs> I want to go back to this language. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're going to talk racing here, man. I, you've been so impressive since you came into the Xfinity Series. We saw you like the first six months uh, there, just kind of learning your way through that. But then from that point, it was like you hit another gear. And I think we've seen that in the cup this first yes. part of the year, that, that it looks like you're finding your way through there. How much time do you spend at the shop with the guys? And what is it that you're wanting to learn uh, with that communication? And, and what makes you so good at becoming a quick learner? Well, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of a driver being involved in the shop. Uh, in Mexico, it's not like that, but, you know, I grew up doing that. I grew up working on cars. So for me, that's something normal. Uh, and uh, just last year, I had an apartment that it was, I'm not kidding, it was 30 seconds driving from the apartment to the shop. It was almost <laughs> across the street. And right now I moved to a house that is four miles away. So I go to the shop almost every day. I really like to spend time uh, with my team uh, to, to make good relationship, to to become friends and uh, and to learn from 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 each other, I think that's something very important. Uh, if we have a good relationship outside of the racetrack, we're going to have a good relationship in the racetrack as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, something that uh, that I feel like is going to be very good for us is to hit those racetrack those racetracks for the second time. And now we're going to Pocono, yeah. second time. Now I have a notebook. Now I know what I did right, what I did wrong, what I have to get better. Uh, what do I have to expect? And, and I feel like that helped me a lot last year in winning the championship. In the first half of the year, I was okay. The second half, we were strong. Mm -hmm. And I'm coping the same thing in the cup now. So what's the, what's the biggest surprise? I know everybody, you, you're, you're driving Xfinity. You want to be in cup, right? Everybody wants to be in cup. So you get that call. What did you think cup it was all about versus what you know it to be all about now? Well, I knew, I knew that the competition, it, it was going to be tough. And, uh, and to be very honest with you, it's tougher than what I was expecting. Uh, when I was, I, I, I always say this, when I was running okay in, uh, in the Xfinity car, I was still running top 10. When I'm running just okay in the cup car, I'm running 21st. Uh, you have to run great to be running in the top 10. And uh, when you're running great in the Xfinity, you're winning races. Uh, it's very, very tough competition. Uh, I really believe that you are, uh, you know, racing against the best drivers out there, the best race teams. They put a lot into this, a lot of time, a lot of dedication, a lot of work, and, uh, and it's very tough. And I've, I, I have learned that uh, 
that every single detail is, is, is what makes the best drivers and the best teams, uh, you know, preparation, you know, outside of the racetrack, being good physically. In, in Indianapolis, we had a super long race. Casey King won the race, and, and he, was, he was pretty tired after the race. Yeah. And he's in, he's in very good shape. So I feel like mentally we have to work hard, uh, study with our teams, know the race car, and just trying to get better. Yeah, I, I got a question, but it's going to take longer than a minute for you to answer. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am going to say that because he's just – okay, here, here, this is my question. We are – we all have drive race cars. We all have fans. I had that many fans. Dale Jarrett had this many fans. Dale Jr.'s got this many fans. <laughs> You've got an entire country. What is that pressure? Uh, you are the first guy to cross that border and win in a NASCAR series. There's a whole nation watching you, and that is a true nation. I know we hear about Junior Nation, <laughs> but this is Daniel Suarez Nation, the, the, a whole nation. Do you feel that pressure? You know, I, instead to feel pressure, I just feel very lucky to be in this position yeah. uh, because, uh, you know, the timing was just right, and it happens to be me. And, uh, and you know, to have a lot of support from a lot of people here in the U.S., uh, not just from Mexico, uh, you know, American fans, uh, Latin American in general. Uh, it's just amazing. Uh, go back to Mexico, racing cars with my friends. Uh, you know, pe- people love what, what we are doing here right yeah. now. And going, going to the West Coast to race, uh, when, I, when we were racing in Fontana, I felt like I was in Mexico. I felt like a, like a <laughs> rock star in there. Yeah. I mean, a lot of Mexican people there. I mean, it was amazing. It was an amazing feeling. And... Uh, and uh, this is just the first year, so hopefully, hopefully we can keep keep going with the good, good results and, and keep building that good uh, that good fan base uh, into sport. Well, coming up, much more with our special guest Daniel Suarez, and make sure you hit us up on Twitter with the questions from you guys at NASCAR on NBC hashtag Ask Daniel. We'll be asking him some of those later on. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. This week in the race for the playoffs continues when NASCAR Xfinity Series hits Iowa Speedway on Saturday at 3.30 Eastern on NBC. And then Sunday, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series takes on the tricky triangle of Pocono at 3 Eastern on NBCSN. Matt DiBenedetto hopes to have a good weekend at the Tricky Triangle, but before he gets behind the wheel, he'll be our special guest tomorrow on NASCAR America. And Kyle, you're bringing him a gift, I hear. I am bringing him a gift. I, I cannot wait. <laughs> I cannot wait till tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. 5 p.m. Eastern, NASCAR America tomorrow. Hey, Daniel Suarez has been gaining fans at every turn, and when NASCAR America returns, he'll answer some of fan questions. More to come from the Hall of Fame after this. So nice of JGR to have the mariachi band on the plane after your oh, first Xfinity Series oh, win. That was a fun moment. That, that was very fun. And, uh, 
you know, after that uh, first win in Michigan, uh, you know, when, when you see those kind of stuff is when, 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 you, when, you, when you go back and you tell to yourself, you know, I have a family here. Yeah. I have a family mm -hmm. here that supports you that is cool. all the time, doesn't matter what. Yeah. And, uh, and actually, I think the person that started the mariachi, <laughs> it was the crew chief of Cal. So oh, he was, that's uh, good. Uh, you know, Chris, Chris yeah, yeah. Yeah. he, he was race. super excited that, uh, <laughs> that I, was, I won my, my first ever race. And, uh, yeah, just very happy to have uh, a, great, uh, a great team. That's cool. There's no doubt your JGR family does love you. All right, we thank you fans for sending all these questions. So we'll get to as many as we can. We'll start with uh, Jake Bentendorf. He asked Daniel, what's your first job, Daniel? What my, was your first job? My first job, uh, it was, uh, I was selling uh, stuff in my dad's shop. I was selling parts. I was selling uh, gloves. I was selling all that kind of stuff. I was just 14 years old. <laughs> and I remember I was making just enough money to pay the fuel to go back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great first job story, isn't it? Yeah. Um, all right, uh, Matthew Jackson asks, would you rather be stuck on an island with Kyle Petty or Rutledge Wood? Oh, man, that... I think I'm safer by myself. Great answer. That would be a answer. All right, Dan Cotton is saying, do you think NASCAR should add a race in Mexico for the Cup Series like Xfinity used to have? Man, that would be awesome. That would be like... Like a home race for me. Now well, I course. call my my home race here Charlotte. Obviously, when I, when we are racing in the West Coast, it feels yeah. almost like home. But uh, but to be racing in Mexico would be huge for me. Yeah. So hopefully one day. We thank you so much thank for being you. here today, yeah. Daniel. It was yeah, a lot man, of fun right. having you. I think thank we all guys. Really enjoyed sure. it. Yeah. Thank you for well, having. That'll me. do it for today's edition of NASCAR America. Matty D on the show tomorrow. You don't want to miss <laughs> that. In the meantime, check out NBCSports.com/NASCAR for all your NASCAR news. Have a good night, everybody. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.